Okay, well that covers some housekeeping, taking care of business there too. Um, don't know if, uh, of course, Happy Father's Day. We don't want to overlook these things here. I'll mention that right now. Happy Father's Day um, to all of the fathers out there who have uh, the responsibility to take care of their family and lead the household. That's a great thing about Father's Day. That's worth celebrating. Amen. It's also worth celebrating uh, Juneteenth, which is something that also is taking place officially today, because today is June the 19th. Um, and it has been recognized as a holiday uh, for the last people who were informed about uh, freedom uh, from slavery and the celebration that comes out of that. So we'll talk about that. Today's message is actually going to have embedded within it Father's Day references and Juneteenth references. So I think it's worthy of discussion there. Um, so let's with. With, with that in mind, let's go ahead and look to the Lord with a word of prayer, and we're going to get started. Amen? Father, we are just so thankful for your presence this morning. We thank you, Lord, for your teaching, and we thank you, Lord, for your guidance and instruction. We thank you for what the Holy Spirit is doing in our lives at this very moment. We thank you again for the promises that you have made to us. And that you give to us each and every moment. We look at your scriptures, we look at the word, and we thank you, Lord, for the promises that you are keeping and will continue to keep for us. We thank you again, Lord, for blessing us, for protecting us. And Lord, we just know that you indeed are the one who is in control of our lives. Lord, may we now quiet our hearts listen to you speak, not my words, but your words. And we give you all the praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Today is Father's Day, and it also happens to be Juneteenth. Now, this may or may not be the first ever message talking about both of these events at the same time. I don't know that there has been or ever will be that, but Allow me to put together my theme for this message by expressing the importance of recognizing a very important aspect of our maturity in Jesus Christ. And that is about freedom. This is a message about freedom. Now, some of you may be scratching your head and saying to yourself, what does Father's Day have to do with freedom? <laughs> well, since I've said many times that words mean things, let's go ahead and take a look at a definition, a dictionary definition of the word freedom. Freedom, a noun, is one, a, the condition of not being in prison or captivity. And two, the condition of being free of restraints, especially the ability to act without control or interference by another or by circumstance. Now this definition applies very specifically to not being restrained or being held against your will, but let's take this further and consider the following. I'm going to give you a definition of freedom that still has the essence of this definition from the dictionary and now expand upon it. True freedom is when your attitude and life perspective represents the stillness of God's peace 
and his loving presence in spite of your personal circumstances. I'm going to give that to you one more time. Listen for the key words in there, because that's kind of long, but try to stay with me on this. True freedom is when your attitude and life perspective represents the stillness of God's peace and his loving presence in spite of your personal circumstances. So this goes far beyond the physical state of being in jail or the experience of servitude. Far beyond that. Let's look at this example from Scripture to build the case for what freedom truly is. Here is a story of the Philippian jailer and his encounter with Paul and Silas. Turn your Bibles and electronic devices to Acts chapter 16. We're going to follow along and look at verses 25 through 34. And I ran across this study while I was doing my study in 1 Peter chapter 3. And this was referred to, but when I look at this, the more and more I look at this particular passage, there are some things here that we really need to take into account about how God's hand is truly on his people and how he truly wants to reach people. Start at verse 25, Acts chapter 16. Acts chapter 16. Now, I'm going to be reading from the New Living Translation. Please follow along on your version, starting at verse 25. Around midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the other prisoners were listening. Suddenly, there was a massive earthquake, and the prison was shaken to its foundations. All the doors immediately flew open, and the chains of every prisoner fell off. The jailer woke up to see the prison doors wide open. He assumed the prisoners had escaped, so he drew his sword to kill himself. But Paul shouted to him, Stop! Don't kill yourself. We are all here. Verse 29. The jailer called for lights and ran to the dungeon and fell down trembling before Paul and Silas. Then he brought them out and asked, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? They replied, Believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved along with everyone in your household. And they shared the word of the Lord with him and with all who lived in his household. Even at that hour of the night, the jailer cared for them and washed their wounds. Then he and everyone in his household were immediately baptized. He brought them into his house and set a meal before them. And he and his entire household rejoiced because they all believed in God. Amen. Note, now the Holy Spirit is working like crazy here. Just going to tell you that right now. Amen. The Holy Spirit is doing some real movement from what's taking place for that Philippian jailer and his household. And when we look at the Philippian jailer, okay, he's the head of the household. He's the man of the house. He obviously had some responsibility because he was the one who was in charge of the prison, the jail where they were at. And, but let's look at this more closely. 
The behavior of Paul and Silas in prison was markedly different in the beginning than the attitude of the jailer. Paul and Silas were singing hymns and songs at midnight, wide awake. The jailer was a free man, but he was actually in mental captivity. He was in mental captivity. Why do I say that? He was ready to kill himself out of humiliation when he thought the prisoners had escaped. Two completely different mindsets. It was only when the jailer recognized that Paul and Silas were much, much different than other prisoners, and I believe that the Holy Spirit, he had an encounter with the Spirit when he recognized that Paul and Silas had the message of salvation for his life. Why else would he go back crawling to them, asking them, what must I do to be saved? That's the Spirit speaking. Now, we know that the jail had a great earthquake, right? We know that all the doors were open, the chains had fallen off the prisoners, There is something you don't see every day. Amen? Amen. The jailer took Paul and Silas home with him. And when he accepted Jesus, he and his household experienced true freedom in Jesus Christ. There's the freedom part. No longer being held in mental captivity. I'll repeat again our enhanced definition of true freedom. True freedom is when your attitude and your life perspective represents the stillness of God's peace and his loving presence in spite of your personal circumstances. Let me ask you a quick question here. Do you think Paul and Silas experienced God's peace even while they were in jail? You'd better believe they did. You're not going to be singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs at midnight for no good reason. Amen? Amen. Some of us, when we sing songs, sometimes we probably want to cover our ears, but that's okay. It's a joyful nose to the Lord, right? Amen. And they were singing at midnight. This freedom centers on a relationship with Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ. Take a listen to this dialogue coming up here between Jesus and members of the crowd when Jesus was speaking. Um, They were made up of both believers and unbelievers. That was a very common thing that Jesus encountered. Go to John chapter 8, verse 31. Many times when Jesus spoke, he spoke to a crowd of believers and unbelievers, people who wanted to hear what he had to say and people who didn't necessarily want to obey him or listen to him. But you're going to be able to tell from the dialogue here that there are believers in the crowd and there are non-believers. John chapter 8, verse 31. Verse 31, Jesus said to the people who believed in him. You see the clue here? The people who believed in him. You are truly my disciples if you remain faithful to my teachings. And you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. Amen. Verse 33, 
but we are descendants of Abraham, they said. We have never been slaves to anyone. What do you mean you will be set free? Verse 34, Jesus replied, I tell you the truth, everyone who sins is a slave of sin. Everyone who sins is a slave of sin. A slave is not a permanent member of the family, but a son is part of the family forever. So if the son sets you free, you are truly free. So it is clear that many are confused as to what true freedom really is. There is the physical aspect of being in jail or being a slave. And there is the mental approach that a relationship with Jesus Christ is a relationship of freedom. A life of sin is a life bound in captivity. A life bound in captivity. That's why Jesus teaches us over and over again to reject temptation. Stay free of sin. Hide the word in your heart that you may not sin against him. And he tells us this over and over again in scripture. We are slaves when we are in sin because we are caught in a stronghold of disobedience to God. In Christ, we are free because we are no longer slaves to sin. Jesus paid the penalty of sin for us. Amen? Amen? All that we needed to do was believe in him and his power over sin and death. And as a result, we experienced the freedom that only he can give to us. As we are free in Christ, we, do not, we need to live in such a manner that we are indeed free. Okay, we say we're free, let's live and act like we're free. Amen? Live like we're free in Christ. We do this by doing what? Loving Jesus and obeying his commands. How simple is that? And yet, how difficult is that for our flesh? Amen? If we want to live like a free person, we need to be obedient to his word and his commands. Because it's good for us. It's good for us. The Spirit guides us beyond these moments when we're tempted to sin. We are not to give in to the flesh. We are always at war with the flesh, amen? But we're not to give in to it. The minute we give in to the flesh, guess what? We show that we're no longer free. Take a look at Galatians chapter 5. I want to give you a couple of verses there in Galatians 5. Galatians 5 verse 1, and then we're going to drop down to verse 13. Galatians 5 verse 1, and then verse 13. I love it. I see a Bible pages being turned. I see those electronic devices also being used. Amen. It's an amazing thing what God has done. He has given us the ability to have the word go completely around the world and back again in different languages. And yet there are so many things. Well, there's a couple of things to think about. There are still many more people that need to know the truth about Jesus Christ. Amen? Amen? Amen. And yet we're getting closer to his return. Because there's going to come a point, like it says in Matthew chapter 24, uh, it's going to be done. The end's going to come. 
So don't stop talking about Jesus. Amen. Galatians 5, verse 1. For freedom, Christ has set us free. Stand firm, therefore, and do not submit again to a yoke of slavery. Stand firm, therefore, and do not submit again to a yoke of slavery. And drop down to verse 13. Same chapter, Galatians chapter 5. Verse 13. For you were called to freedom, brothers. Only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. I've actually seen the argument where some people make a statement saying, well, because we are believers in Christ, does that mean we can still sin? And God's going to forgive us. I tell you what. (laughs) People... People will take the word and use it for their own benefit. To do what they think is right. And we know that's foolish behavior. It's foolhardy to think that you can just keep sinning. Because it's even mentioned in scripture. Certainly not. Just because you're free in Christ does not mean you act a fool. (laughs) Amen? Well, the church needs to teach this. And we are. 1 Peter 2.16 says, Live as people who are free, not using your freedom as a cover-up for evil, but as living, as living as servants of God. Do what's right and stay with what's right. The Philippian jailer learned how to live in freedom once and for all. It is because he learned the truth about eternal life in Jesus. It is a freeing experience when we see God's goodness in our life. And that's exactly what that jailer was living through. A freedom. An experience of freedom. Because he knew Jesus. So what does this freedom have to do with Father's Day and Juneteenth? I'll bet you were waiting for me to get to that. (laughs) Juneteenth might be a little bit more obvious, but what about Father's Day? Well, let's discuss this. Father's Day is a celebration of true fathers in the same way that true believers are in freedom. It's the same type of celebration. A father who understands the principle of loving his wife as Christ loves the church. Ephesians 5.25 will live in the same manner that Peter called the believers to live in spite of difficult circumstances. A true father is to be heralded when the husband, the person at the head of the household, is the one who is looked to in good times and bad and provides leadership. Notice that part of the theme is this, is things aren't always good, Amen. Life isn't always going to treat you the way you want to be treated. So you have to be able to live for Jesus Christ under all circumstances. That's what true freedom is. Even when you're being persecuted. Even when you're being spat upon. Even when fire hoses are turned on you. You might have gotten some of the messages from the civil rights movement. These are things that actually happen to people who are real fathers, people who are real heads of households, 
But that doesn't change what God tells us about how we're to behave. Take a look at 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 7. 1 Peter 3, verse 7. Often we get, allow things in the world to take our focus off of Jesus Christ. That's a mistake. That's a mistake. There's nothing wrong with being well-informed. Amen? Nothing wrong with knowing what's going on in your life, okay? But the reality is, a lot of those things that are put out there will, because of your emotional state, if you allow it to happen, take your focus off of Jesus. At the end of the day, here is what men have to do. 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 7. In the same way, you husbands must give honor to your wives. Amen? Treat your wife with understanding as you live together. Amen? I'm going to get an amen for every verse from the women here. She may be weaker than you are, but she is your equal partner in God's gift of new life. Amen. Equal partner. We'll look at that in a little bit more closely in a second. Treat her as you should so that your prayers will not be hindered. Now, if you just take the 30,000 foot view of that passage, men treat your women, the wives in your life, the right way so that your prayers will not be hindered. Because that is a command of God. That's what should happen. But did you catch that verse, an equal partner in God's gift of new life? A father recognizes his role in the home and reflects the love of Christ in everything he does for the family. Everything he does for the family. The foundation is the love of Christ. The foundation should be the love of Christ in everything. Even the Philippian jailer understood this. He seemed to be the head of the household. He seemed to be the leader of his home. And he was the leader of his home as not just a guy, but a servant for Jesus Christ. Look at the influence he had on the rest of his family when it came to the gospel. The entire household praised Jesus, but it started with the Philippian jailer recognizing his role in the family. For those fathers who seem to think that this is not important or not a big deal, remember... God is looking for men to step it up all the time. Amen? All the time. And we fathers are not perfect. And I'm not going to pretend we're perfect because we, we mess up a lot. Amen? But through God's grace, we fix it and get it right. God wants not just fathers, but all men to live not selfishly, but in a selfless manner. He wants to see fathers as servants for him, not in a sense of drudgery. Oh man, I got to go to church again? Really? Not in a sense of drudgery, but in a heartfelt Self-sacrificing love for Jesus. 
He wants men who are sensitive to the Holy Spirit. He wants men sensitive to his direction through the Holy Spirit. That's what he wants. That's the Father's Day that we want to celebrate. 2 Corinthians 3.17 says, Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. If you're living for the Spirit, you are going to be in a state of freedom. Because you don't have to worry about making some decisions. The Spirit is going to tell you what to do. Amen. That's freedom. And men, we have a lot of very important decisions we sometimes have to make in our households, don't we? We've got some very important things. Where are the kids going to school? How are we going to fix this? What's going to happen over here? Let the Spirit lead in all of it. There are some things you just don't have to figure out. Pray about it and let the Spirit speak to you about it. Father's Day is the celebration of a husband who loves his wife and family. That's the Father's Day we want to celebrate. A man who loves his wife, who loves his family. It's not a celebration of fathers who aim to readily populate the earth without any sense of responsibility. We've got plenty of that right now. But that's not a father we celebrate. That's just a sperm donor. Amen? I'm just keeping it real. We don't celebrate sperm donors. Amen? We celebrate real fathers who love their family. That's what we're celebrating. We are to uphold all fathers who understand the concept of freedom in Jesus and who want to live for Christ in good times and bad. In good times and bad. And I'm going to keep mentioning that because we always go through good times and bad times. It's not just being a good father when things are always all good. I got money in the bank. One day it might be bad. I don't have money in the bank. That's reality. But we need a consistent behavior from fathers. Amen? We need this leadership in the family more than ever today. Amen? Amen. Now let's talk about Juneteenth. Juneteenth is a celebration of freedom. It's also a celebration of freedom. It's a different kind of freedom, but it's very relevant. For those of you who aren't completely aware of what it represents, June 19th, 1865, was the day when federal troops arrived in Galveston, Texas, to proclaim that more than 250,000 people in slavery were now free due to an executive decree. Amen. It occurred... Two and a half years after the implementation of the Emancipation Proclamation, two and a half years later, the 13th Amendment legally ended the practice of slavery in the United States in 1865. But this is how June 19th became Juneteenth. It was run together. It was called a Jubilee Day at one point as well, too. The former slaves immediately began to celebrate this day, and within a few years, due to migration... African Americans were celebrating in other states, making it an annual tradition. Now, I gotta tell you something. I did not hear about Juneteenth until a couple years ago. But yet, it is the oldest nationally celebrated commemoration of the ending of slavery in the United States. And it acknowledges, of course, their freedom. 
So, as a people, I think it's safe to say that we are always looking for reasons to celebrate. Amen? It's good to celebrate. It's good to, you know, just kind of shake things loose and let yourself go a little bit and just be cool about it. Amen? But it's good to celebrate. Juneteenth is an appropriate reason for everyone to celebrate freedom. But let's remember that even when people were in slavery or in some form of servitude, those who recognized the importance of following Jesus by definition of the relationship with him were already free. Now, I don't know if you believe that or not. But we just got through saying that a relationship with Jesus Christ is a relationship of freedom. No matter what's going on. Remember what I said, in good times or bad. What did a slave have to look forward to every day? Doing something for someone that they had to be accountable to. But yet, a lot of those slaves found the time to sing about Jesus. And proclaim his goodness. In the best of times, in the worst of times. You've heard that before. That's what life is about. And yet we can celebrate Jesus. A person who is free in Jesus Christ is a mature believer who understands the truth. That's a mature factor of being in faith. The Bible gave prudent advice on how a master and slave or servant were to live and carry on as servants of Jesus Christ. Masters were told not to rule harshly over their slaves and were to fear God. That's in several places in Scripture. Leviticus 25.43, Ephesians 6.9, Colossians 4.1. That's Old Testament and New Testament, everybody. This wasn't just a revelation that was made in the New Testament. The Old Testament said the same thing. Slaves were instructed to live before their masters as slaves to Jesus by doing the will of God and living for him. That's in Ephesians 6, 6. Now, for those of you who want to talk about biblical inerrancy and 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 looking at certain subject matter, here's one that comes up often. Let's be clear about something that isn't mentioned often enough. The Bible does not openly condone or condemn slavery. Let's start with that. It does not condone it, and it does not condemn it. Well, a person who wants to argue about that says, well, it should have condemned it. Well, let's look at the big picture here. The Bible does deal actively and openly with addressing the human condition. Our human reality, which is our propensity to sin. The Bible talks about that quite clearly. We are fleshly people. All are sinners and cannot measure up to God's glory. That's in Romans 3.23. Slavery was and still is in the world because we live in a fallen world. We live in a fallen world. 
Satan's going to always try to dissuade people from following the Bible because in their reasoning, the Bible does not come out and condemn slavery. Well, that's nonsense. God, in fact, does not promote slavery because he hates it. He hates sin. Slavery is rooted in sin, everyone. The slavery of blacks in the United States is only one pinpoint in the world history of slavery. It's always been in existence. It's been in existence because of what? The condition of man. It's been around forever. Let me ask you a question. What is human trafficking but another form of slavery? What is sex trafficking but another form of slavery? Do you see my point? See where I'm going with this? Jesus gave his life for all of us because of our dreadful human condition. Please turn to Jeremiah 17. Let's look at verses 9 and 10. Jeremiah 17, verses 9 and 10. Jeremiah 17, verses 9 and 10. Jeremiah 17, verse 9. This is the New Living Translation. The human heart is the most deceitful of all things and desperately wicked. Well, don't you guys know? Don't you guys know that the heart's deceitfully wicked? You are deceived by your own heart. (laughs) God knows it. Who really knows how bad it is? God does. Amen? But I, the Lord, search all hearts and examine secret motives. I give all people their due rewards according to what their actions deserve. Look at that last part again. I give all people their due rewards according to what their actions deserve. Remember that. God knows what you do. God knows what you have done. And there's going to be a reward for it. C.S. Lewis, very interesting quote. All that we call human history, money, poverty, ambition, war, prostitution, classes, empires, slavery, is the long, terrible story of man trying to find something other than God which will make him happy. Trying to find something other than God which will make him happy. It was all those things I just read. Let's talk about this reward thing. In contrast, the reward for those who believe in Jesus goes far beyond their present physical state. Can you see this as well? Those who often profess to be free are actually saved slaves to sin because of their disobedience. Those who live as servants indeed live in freedom because they look to Jesus and only to Jesus. They recognize that serving Jesus is a model of Jesus' servanthood. Jesus was a servant. He was a servant during his ministry here on earth. He was obedient to the Father 
because he knew what was at stake. Go to Matthew chapter 20. Matthew 20, verse 25. Matthew 20, verse 25. We're going to read verses 25 through 28. Matthew chapter 20, verse 25. This will be from the New International Version. Please follow along. Verse 25, Jesus called them, meaning the disciples, together and said, You know that the rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them and their high officials exercise authority over them. Not so with you. Instead, whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant. And whoever wants to be first must be your slave. Just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. To serve. People who aspire to be pastors still have to remember, always remember, they're servants of God. And this young man over here, he is an example of that. He's a servant of God. And that's who you want leading your church because he has to account to Jesus himself. I get nervous when I see some of these big churches out here and some of these pastors who forget where they came from. It's not meant to be a commentary, but kind of slipped out, sorry. but they forget where they come from. They're still servants of God. And the temptations are great. When you have a lot of money around you, you a lot of people who want to sing your praises, they have a lot to overcome. And those people need to be prayed for because Satan will get them. Jesus called them, the disciples together, and said, You know that the rulers of the Gentiles lorded over them, and their high officials exercise authority over them. Not so with you. Instead, whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant. And whoever wants to be first must be your slave, just as the Son of Man did not come to be served but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. I knew I read that before. I just wanted to emphasize it. The people who experience the greatest freedom are those who are servants of Jesus Christ. Amen? Servants of Jesus Christ. The freedom is evident because of what Jesus did on the cross. Romans 6.22 says, But now you are free from the power of sin and have become slaves of God. Now you do those things that lead to holiness and result in eternal life. It's one of God's promises, isn't it? We're doing this because we want eternal life. We want to have an eternal life in fellowship with him. That's the promise that we have. Without that, we have nothing. Nothing. For a lot of folks, the scariest passage probably should be the one with rich man and Lazarus in the book of Luke. 
Because it shows you what happens when you don't choose Jesus. And you're separated from God forever if you don't choose him. Do you see how without Jesus Christ, celebrating any sort of freedom is an effort of futility? Without Jesus, you know, we can talk about being free to do this, free to do that, but honestly, we have freedom in Christ that goes far beyond the physical. You can search the earth for freedom and truth, but your search is ultimately futile without Jesus in your life. And those folks that practice other religions, they're searching all over the place. They're looking for this high plane. They're looking for this place. I put some of that stuff out of my head. It was so much gobbledygook. But it's interesting how people just search the world for stuff and they'll never find it without Jesus Christ. We indeed have a reason to celebrate. Amen? We celebrate Jesus Christ. We celebrate what he's done for us. We celebrate freedom, but not just for freedom's sake. We celebrate the freedom of a new life in Jesus. We have a new life in Jesus Christ. Your old life is gone. Your old life is no longer relevant. We have freedom in Jesus Christ. It should be our approach to anything and everything that we do. And it's because while we are free in Jesus, we are here to live for him. We are here to serve him. We're here to glorify him. Amen? Turn to Romans 8. Let's look at that. Romans 8, verses 1 and 2. Romans 8, verses 1 and 2. My version is the New Living Translation, but you can follow along. Verse 1 of Romans 8. So now there is no condemnation. Let's read that slowly. There is no condemnation for those who belong to Christ Jesus. You're no longer under condemnation. Verse 2. And because you belong to him, the power of the life-giving spirit has freed you. From the power of sin that leads to death. You're free. That's freedom, everybody. Amen? That's the freedom that we rejoice over. That's the freedom that we celebrate over. What Jesus did for us is worth celebrating. And living in that manner all the time. 2 Corinthians 5.21 says, For God made Christ, who never sinned, to be the offering for our sin, so that we could be made right with God through Christ. We can celebrate because we have the freedom of eternal life in Jesus. Amen. It's an incredible gift of God's grace. May we recognize it today and every day. Amen? Father, we are just so thankful for the freedom that we can express because you gave us freedom first by dying on the cross for us, shedding your blood, 
atoning for our sin, for being that atonement, for being the one to stand in as a mediator before God, to speak on our behalf. And we thank you, Lord, for what you've done, that promise that you kept, by being obedient to the Father from the very beginning. We thank you, Lord, for that. Lord, we want to celebrate freedom, but we want to celebrate freedom with you in mind. Amen? We want to celebrate with you in mind. No matter what we're going through, whether it's a graduation or, or whatever event that takes place, Lord, you're the one who got us through to that position where we can celebrate about it. Thank you, Lord, for that teaching. Thank you for that truth. Thank you for your loving kindness and your presence. Now we ask all of these things in Jesus' precious name. Amen.